Hi, I'm Julie Lifcott-Hames, the host of Getting In. I'm the former dean of freshmen at Stanford and the author of How to Raise an Adult. Getting In is a new podcast from Panoply, following a group of high school seniors through the college admission process. And right now is crunch time, especially for students applying early decision. You know, when you put it all together, it's a lot. I don't really sleep. I drink a lot of black coffee. But, you know, I'm, I'm stressed, but I'm, I could be worse. I could be bored. That's what you'll hear on the new episode of Getting In from Panoply. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Hello and welcome to I Want to Like You, a weekly podcast from Real Simple about how to handle the irritating people in your life with goodwill and grace. I'm Kristen Van Ochtrop. I'm the editor of Real Simple. And with me today are Peter Bregman, who is the CEO of Bregman Partners, which is a coaching and consulting company. Peter's also the author of several books, including Four Seconds, All the Time You Need to Stop Counterproductive Habits and Get the Results You Want. My second guest today is Dr. Majid Fatuhi, who is a neurologist and neuroscientist and the medical director of the NeuroGrow Brain Fitness Program in McLean, Virginia. So welcome, Peter and Majid. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having us. It's my pleasure, Kristen. So this week we are talking about, as you may have guessed, forgetful people. And I just want to start with a really quick story that kind of sets up how this is ever-present in my life, mostly in my home life, not in my work life. So my oldest son is 20, and ironically, well, Majid, you can tell me if this is ironic or not, actually, because I don't really understand this major. But he's a double major in college, and one of his majors is cognitive science. And this is like the most forgetful kid in the world. So I was having a conversation with him on the phone last night, and he was saying that he thought he left his linguistics book at our house where he was visiting last weekend. And we said to him, well, did you look in your car? Oh, no, I didn't look in my car. Anyway, the book, the missing textbook, after we had also looked at our house, was in his car under a suitcase that he had not yet unpacked a week later. <laughs> and so he is, I mean, I affectionately refer to him as my absent-minded professor because he really, he's a super smart kid who just is such a flake. So my first question, I guess, Majid, is for you, which is... Why are some people now? I'm gonna I'm gonna conflate flaky and forgetful, which are probably two super different concepts in your world. But why are some people more forgetful, like my 20 year old son, than others? Um, every person is different, and so the causes of forgetfulness uh, may be different in your son than yourself or your mother. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important to have people see a memory specialist, a neurologist, to help figure out the cause. But let me tell you some common causes in different age groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, college kids are more likely to have attention deficit disorder uh, or sleeping problems or working too mm-hmm. much. These are the sort of common things that uh, occur in people in their 20s to cause memory loss. A lot of time, uh, they may be partying too much and sleep three or four hours a night because they can get away with it, but they don't realize that a few hours of sleep will not uh, be enough for them to be able to function well on a daily basis. Mm. And, of course, attention deficit is very common. So 
Sometimes it's diagnosed, often it's not diagnosed. And the other thing is that people who do too many things, like they are working on a project, they are a part-time job, they are taking care of their, you know, significant other, and and so, you know, I will be interested to talk to your son to figure out why. But the important thing is that we should not let it be sort of be mm. proactive. So, okay, let's figure this out. Actually, I'll give you an example. My lovely wife, who is a very bright engineer, kept telling me, Majid, you know, you're a memory specialist, and I ha- I can't remember people's names, and and I forget things, you know. And, of course, we figured out that she has a little bit of attention deficit disorder. We, we did a testing on her in my uh, brain center and we figured out that, you know, she has a, you know, she's a very high-performing uh, person. Mm-hmm. Her brain pattern is that of a person who is very high-performance oriented, but she has a touch of attention deficit, and we gave her something called neurofeedback. And now she's super-duper memory star. You know, we go to parties, she can memorize 40, 50 names, and, and on a daily basis, those forgetful lapses occur less frequently. So do you think, so, hmm, all right, this is interesting to me. So, well, let's go back. My son has been this way his entire life, although I will say he's doing a lot in college and probably not sleeping enough, so it's probably exacerbated by his college student lifestyle. But I'm thinking about the example with your wife, and and Peter, I want you to jump in here too, with it, particularly with workplace kind of thoughts, but... You know, I, like I have the similar situation with your wife where I have a trouble remembering names. And as I've gotten older, it's gotten worse. And I think part of me thinks I just don't try hard enough and that I need like if I had some tricks, I could remember things. And so, for example, the sound engineer who was just in here helping me set up this podcast, he just had a bite. His name is Rick. For some reason, I can never remember that his name is Rick. And but he had a bike accident. And he had a black eye and he had a band-aid over his eye. And I said, oh, I was joking about how I can never remember his name. And he said, well, just remember Rick the Wreck. <laughs> and now I probably won't forget his name because I'll think, oh, yeah, Rick the Wreck, the guy with the bike accident. But when you think of the tricks, for example, with your wife, it, or, and you didn't use the word tricks. Sorry, that's my word. Can you train yourself with techniques like that to have a better memory? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing, you know, a lot of people feel that their memory is good or their memory is bad. They don't mm-hmm. realize that memory is a skill in which they can excel. You know, I give lectures for a lot of different organizations, and I was invited to give a presentation for Memory Championship in New York a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And these people could memorize like a thousand pieces of information. What was interesting to me was that most of them were not memory stars in school or college. These are just people who somehow became interested in memory games and somebody challenged them to memorize more and they say, hey, I just did that and they just did mm-hmm. more. Uh, using tricks is a great idea. When you see someone, look them right in the eye and mm-hmm. when they say their name, repeat their name. So if someone says, Rick, say, hello, Rick, how are you? And then during the conversation, use their name a couple of times. And chances are you may have not remembered it, so don't be shy to ask, tell me your name again. Yeah. And when you end the conversation, make sure you remember the name. You can often think of their job and sort of make a correlation between their face, their name, and their job, but that's mm-hmm. not necessary. The important 
factor, the most important thing is that you need to consolidate their name in your mind. A lot of times people sort of hear the name, but the, the name is not consolidated. And often if you don't consolidate the information the first time, it will always be a problem every time you see that person. The short answer is memory is a skill, and you should work hard, and you should tell yourself, I am good with memory, and try to improve your memory, and it's totally doable. Peter, let's, so let's, let's talk about memory as a skill for a second, although you were going to say something. But, but, you know, do you—I'm thinking about people in the workplace who don't seem to have that skill. And how—wait, well, do you, are you—you you probably have a great memory, given your line of work. So let's talk about that. But also, what do you do when you work with people who you think do not have a great memory, and it impacts the way you work then? You know, first of all, I don't actually have such a great memory. I, I find uh, often that, you know, I have the same problem remembering names. I have, I've sort of played with some of those tricks, but I've also noticed something, and I'm a little embarrassed to share that I've noticed this. Because it, it but it speaks to the way I think memory works, uh, at least for me and, and for some others. Which is when someone I think is really important to me, to something I'm doing, to, you know, brings up something that I think is important, I will remember their name. And, oh, so, and okay. it, it's embarrassing. I mean, I'm sort of, you know, I'm, I know I'm saying this on a podcast, but I have shame around it because, you know, it means something that I don't like about myself, right? That I walk around, in a sense, evaluating the importance of people um, unconsciously because I'm choosing which names to remember and which names not to. And, but I think that that's something related to our memory, and maybe it's related mm -hmm. to the trick that you were just talking about in terms of Rick the Wreck. Now I'm going to always remember his name. Uh, in fact, anyone I see with an eye patch, I'm just going to think their name is Rick. <laughs> but, but the, but the, you know, I think the reality is that we remember the things often that are really important to us, and mm -hmm. I also think that there are a lot of important things going on in our heads that sometimes make it harder to remember things. So, you know, for example, I think of when I think of your first question about your son and, mm -hmm. you know, how forgetful he is. I also think when I think of college students that their, I, their heads are full of these amazing, interesting, engaging ideas. I remember myself as a college student, how engaged I was with concepts and ideas and, and my mind still now is, is constantly a flurry of these things. And so I think the mind is making choices constantly about what to, where to focus. And we have mm -hmm. such um, a limited places that we can focus in effect in reality that I think we're always making those choices. And it's why rather than the games of remembering, I try to write everything down because I don't want to burden my mind with more than it could possibly handle. And I want it thinking creatively and I want it to be engaged in ideas and concepts and people. And so if I think I'm not going to remember something, I always write it down. And so, and that's everything from sort of knowledge you gain to like to-do list kind of stuff to oh, somebody's sure. name. Constantly, like the to-do lists are really important. And in fact, I can't even explain this. Maybe, maybe Majid, you can. I find that writing it down with paper and pencil or pen and, and, and a journal is much more effective for me than putting it in technology. So my to-do oh. lists, I always do with paper and pen. And I write them down. And if I have them in technology, I find 
that I kind of lose track a little bit and I get overwhelmed, even if I have systems to remind me of things. But if I'm really overwhelmed, I'll take a piece mm-hmm. of paper and I'll write down a couple of categories on the most important things to focus on. And that will always drive me forward. Okay, wait. So so I want to add to that. And then, Majid, I want you to tell us, because I'm sure you know what it is about that paper thing. So we, in my household, my husband uses a Google Calendar, and which I kind of look at from time to time. I use an Outlook calendar for work. But for home stuff, this year, I've got three kids. I bought a huge, one of those giant paper calendars, and I put it up in our kitchen. And so it's right in my face. And I find that so much more effective in terms of remembering stuff than the Google Calendar, which to me is like an extra step. I've got to actually then go on to the Google Calendar, whereas when it's written down, it's kind of right in front of me. But Majid, is there some kind of neurological thing that happens, though, in the writing that helps you commit something to memory? Yes. So, Peter, I must say that I agree with your first point. We remember things that are important to us, and that's a fact of life. And if you were to engineer a brain, I think that's an excellent way to engineer it. You know, what's the point of remembering every person you ever meet, every meal you ever eat, every place ever you go? You know, our brain needs to be selective, and it is. And that's why we remember things that are important to us. And if I may add one thing is... We remember things that are emotionally important to us. Like, Mm. you know, if somebody makes an emotional comment about you or if somebody does something that touches your feelings, you're more likely to remember it than it's an abstract concept-related comment. And the reason for that is that the emotional part of brain is adjacent to the memory part of brain. In fact, memory part of brain is a part of the network of the brain that includes emotions and other things. And that's why if you want to remember things better, you want to make them emotionally important to you. And so when I, you know, when you meet someone new, you could think of their name and what they do, because what they do, chances are, is vivid and you have an emotional connection to an accountant or carpenter or a professor. You can make an emotional connection to that. So that's the first answer. The second thing is, actually, I do the same thing. You know, I have iPhone and, you know, Google Calendar and Outlook and everything else. But every day I make a short list on an index card on things to do. And I find it very helpful because, you know, any given day, only 10 things I can do anyway. Mm-hmm. So you carry that card around with you? Yes, I put the card in my pocket. Yeah. And usually I know what I need to do because I just just the fact of writing it sort of makes me sort of consolidates for me uh, what needs Mm -hmm. to be done. Again, it goes back to consolidating the information in your head for it to stick. And I think that when in the morning, when I write down the list of things to do for that day, the mere fact of writing it consolidates it. And then at the end of the day, when I'm about to leave the office, I look at my list to see if I forgot to call somebody or if I had to send an email to somebody that I didn't. And usually I find a couple of things which were not the most important thing. Well, okay, so I have, so we're, we're running out of time here, but I, so I want to leave you both with one last question, which is because this podcast is called I Want to Like You, and it's about people who irritate you. Not that I would ever, ever, ever as a mother say my son is irritating because, you know, all of my children are perfect, as yours are too, I'm sure. You know, in dealing with other people in your life, 
who don't remember things. I, you know, Majid, you mentioned that, you know, but you have a special expertise, right? You were able to say to your wife, okay, we're going to give you this test and we're going to see if you have a little bit of attention deficit and then we're going to help you deal with that. But if you don't have your special expertise, if you're a lay person and you are dealing with forgetful people either in your work life or your home life, is there a way to either, you know, treat them, I guess, with greater empathy or help rehabilitate them that you would leave as kind of like a takeaway tip for our listeners? First of all, don't take it personally. <laughs> if they forget <laughs> something... Uh, like your anniversary it, or your it, birthday. It, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, I think, actually, I take that back. You should take it somewhat personally because, as Peter said, you know, people remember things that are important to them. And so if they're not remembering the thing you told them to do or the thing you asked them to do or... You know, we were supposed to bring something they didn't. Part of it means that in their own uh, list, that was not a high priority. If, mm-hmm. for example, you told them, I have a million dollars for you at home, please come at four, they will be there at four, if not five. <laughs> they will not forget that. But right. if you say, please come at four, I want to see you, well, you know, that's not as important. So I think, in, 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 you know, uh, in order to get around, and in dealing with people who are very forgetful, is try to be on their system because they must have a system, whether it's mm. email or you know calendars or index cards. You know, put yourself on their list, or at least make a card and give it to them. Mm-hmm. Like if it's your spouse, say, "Look, here, take this card with you. Call Janet," <laughs> and then they will have that in their pocket somewhere. It's probably you know they may lose that card, but at least you've done your part. And then reminders, emails, texts, you know, things like that also help. Okay, Peter, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to jump in on this reminders thing because I think it's huge. And I think that, you know, there's ways of sending yourself reminders. There's ways of other people sending reminders. There's ways of setting up, you know, your your email account so that you send a reminder at a certain time. Like you send yourself an email at a certain time. You set it to to send. And, And I think for things that are really important that's crucial. And I also think there's two other things I want to say. One is it's, it really says something from an empathy perspective if you could understand what's important for other people and, mm-hmm. and really recognize that. If this is you know, about, about being liked, to really recognize that so that you can follow through on what's important to them. So you know, sometimes with my wife and I, she'll be saying something and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be sort of you know, wavering in terms of not just remembering it, but following through or something that, you know, we've decided to do, but I don't know how important it is. And I'll ask her that question. Is this something really important to you? Mm-hmm. And when she says yes, you know, or she might say, no, it's not that important. It's just something, you know, then it may not be as high on my priority list. But if I know something's really important to her, then, you know, and, and it's true for people at work and like to understand those priorities because we all have more to do than we can actually get done. So to understand you know, what's important to other people and to follow through on that, I think, does a lot in terms of collaboration. And the last thing I want to say is that it's helpful for you as the mother, for me as, as you know, as a, as a running a business and, and, and having a lot of relationships too, and also as a father, to, you know, sort of forgive a little bit. And what I mean by that, I'll give you a great example. I have this great friend, Jessica, who um, you know, I, again, I don't remember things all uh, all that often, or there's there's things that I forget. 
Um, she will always on her birthday because she knows it's important to her that I call her on her birthday. It's kind of a running mm-hmm. joke, but it's mm-hmm. also useful. On her birthday, she'll send me a text saying, don't forget to call me. And, <laughs> and it's, it's a very sweet gesture. You know, it's, it's kind of like I don't want to be disappointed. So I'm going to remind you to do that. And we're hesitant to do that because, you know, does it really mean do I not care about her if I need her to send that text? But yeah. The truth is, it's a very sweet gesture on her part that says, like, I want you to remember and I'm going to remind you so that you call me and then we'll have a nice conversation and yeah. everything will be copacetic. Okay, so so I just want to say one last thing going back to my children. So one year when it was my birthday, I was not Jessica. And I said to my family, oh, don't make a big deal on my birthday. Right. It doesn't matter. And right. they didn't. Huge and by mistake. 10 p.m., I'm in tears, and I'm such a martyr, and I'm so mad. Huge but I mistake. said it was my – and so then the next year I said, okay, and I have three boys, right? So we're, it, there's not – I mean, I don't mean to sex stereotype, but, like, you know, they're boys. I understand. And I'm I, one of three boys. Okay. So the next year I was like, okay, guys, my birthday's coming up, and it's really important to me. So – and they totally delivered, but I, you know, I did what Jessica did. I said, I, I'm reminding you, and I want you to make a deal. I want you to acknowledge it in a way that's appropriate, and it worked. So it's such an important thing. I mean, it, <laughs> it feels awkward sometimes to ask for something and then get it and think, well, it was it genuine or did I just get it because I asked for it? But yeah. I think it's worth us getting over that question to ask for what we want. And that allows the people who are around us who love us to actually give it to us in a way that feels supportive to them and to us. Yeah. Okay. I'm afraid that is all we have time for today in this week's episode of I Want to Like You. Excellent, excellent advice from Peter Bregman, who's the CEO of Bregman Partners, which is a coaching and consulting company, and Dr. Majid Fatuhi, who is a neurologist, neuroscientist, and medical director of the NeuroGrow Brain Fitness Program in McLean, Virginia. Peter and Majid, thank you so much for being here today. Great pleasure. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Our producer is Tim Einenkel. Please let us know what you think of this show. Our Twitter handle is at Real Simple, or you can tweet ideas for this podcast directly to me at KVanOgtrop. For more on irritating people and how to handle them, go to realsimple.com and, of course, subscribe to us in iTunes. For Peter Bregman and Dr. Majid Fatuhi, I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. Thanks for joining us. 